Hi, this is Dr. Karen Becker. Join me for Cat Extravaganza Week from January 10th to the 16th to celebrate all things feline. We'll be featuring exclusive interviews from cat experts, a live Q&A, plus amazing daily giveaways. Please visit healthypets.mercola.com backslash cats for more information. Hi, I'm Dr. Karen Becker, and joining me for Cat Week Extravaganza are the two crazy cat ladies, Jay Kennedy and Adrian Lefebvre, both joining me. I said it with a little French accent. Adrian, could you tell? I loved it. Thank you. Thank you. I thank you. I practiced a little bit. Both of these lovely ladies are joining me today to talk about stress coming from all realms inside the home for kitties and how we can, what we can do to help our kitties manage the stress and things we can do both dietarily and environmentally to help reduce stress. So thank you for joining me, ladies. And for people that may not know about all of the amazing work that you're doing, let's back up and first talk about how you both became kitty obsessed. How did that happen? (laughs) Well, um, okay. So we started in pet nutrition back in 2005 um, and it was with my family business and we worked there for 10 years and we learned a lot about the pet food industry. And we learned a lot about dogs and dog health. Um, But we always had kitties. And there were very few resources for cats. So in 2015, we branched off and started our business and decided to become the the resource that we could not find um, online. So we just started our motto is learn, share and grow. So we just started learning everything that we could about cats and cat health and um, learn from beautiful people like you um, and then share that information. So as a cat community, we can all grow together. And the cat community is really one of the most extraordinary places to live. It is really just beautiful. Yeah. A beautiful experience. Well, and I love the fact that I know that you two are obviously committed wholeheartedly to felines. And I love that. I also love that you are incredibly engaged with the communities of other species as well. So you, you're not in any way, um, you're very open and you're interested in learning from all realms. And I really do appreciate your kind, gentle spirit towards other people who have obsessions with other species. You're very inclusive. And that is wonderful. I think that that has powerfully contributed to bringing the community together. And for people that have had dogs and cats, you're providing this unbelievable resource for the kitty aspects where there are more resources for dogs. And I love the fact that you have really focused on, you love all animals, but you've really focused your best attentions on helping kitties living to live their best lives. So out of that, from 2015 till now, when you, I know that you do weekly podcasts, you have an amazing website, you're really engaged with your community. What are some of the top sources of stress that you both are hearing and seeing and people are talking to you about? What are the top issues happening in the feline community that you tend to hear over and over? Well, I, I kind of want to take it back just a little bit because one of the one of the things that most cat parents don't understand is recognizing stress in their cats. So like the symptoms of stress, the normal symptoms of like your cat's fidgety or they jump and they run or they're aggressive, those okay. But many cat parents don't know that, you know, if your cat sleeps all the time, is bored, doesn't like to play, like there's so many other signs of stress in our cats that, um, that aren't addressed. And, you know, we didn't know this. Well, they're hard to recognize because cats don't, they're not very expressive. So it's, it's kind of learning your cat. Every cat's an individual too. So it's very interesting to see how different personalities play into what makes them feel happy and what makes them feel less stressed. So, um, 
Some of the main things though, that I think that we really see when it comes to stress behavior, Friday wants to go shop. Hey girl. Um, Really, I think it probably is the litter box issues. I think that a lot of people, they know that they go and they get them checked out and their health is fine, but why are they doing this? And I think that, um, you know, it's like Dr. Mercy Kosky says, that their scent brings them comfort. So it's about trying to find out what's causing them to feel a little insecure or nervous so that they're they're kind of house soiling in places that um, we prefer that they didn't. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. There are many, and I think there are many um, root causes of stress um, in our cats, uh, whether, you know, whether we, we see it or not, but the, but um, what, like s- several of them um, are relate back to diet. Right. So mm. when it comes to, and we know this for ourselves when it comes to a high carbohydrate diet, meaning AKA kibble, um, anything that is that's high in carbs is going to create inflammation in the body. We know for ourselves and for our cats, inflammation creates a stress, um, uh, response, uh, response um, and oftentimes cr- causes our cats to lay around and not play and not, you know, gain weight. 60% of cats in America are obese, um, which leads to so many diseases and and illnesses. Um, But there, yeah, there are many different, um, many different things that can cause stress in, in cats specifically, the smallest change in the house, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, moving in, getting a roommate, moving furniture. Sometimes our cats actually like it when we move furniture. So we're grateful for that. Um, but, but some cats don't, you know, um, what are some other things that can cause stress? Um, well, I think that a change in their routine, you know, so, uh, fast. We know this for a fact, if we dare sleep in on a weekend, uh, Friday, Friday, come here. Very sorry. She's very talkative. No, no, I love this. Listen, you, you're, um, I believe that she's adding for anyone that maybe this is their first exposure to you. It's proving your authentic genuineness that you are surrounded by kitties communicating excellent to you. And you have a built in authenticator right there doing her job. Love it. See, what's, what's funny and talk about routine. What's funny is that right now is usually the time that we're out in the shop doing packing orders and, and things like that for our business. And uh, she's used to coming out in the shop with us. And so she's sitting at the door crying to go out into the shop. It's time because it's time. So here's my question. Uh, I have not had this happen, but I have attention seeking behaviors with my household happen with birds. So my parents, the second that you get on the phone or you start a podcast, my parents would start screaming in veterinary medicine. We call it attention seeking behavior. They would start doing things because they know that you're distracted here in Nova Scotia. The second Rodney's walking Shuby as we speak, because if we, if he did not go and distract Shuby, the second I sit down and focus, she'll come up and she'll just, (laughs) and start whining. And you, of course you pretend like you can't hear them, but of course you can hear them. And it's wildly distracting. Do you think the kitties exhibit maybe I don't want to assume that your kitty is exhibiting attention seeking behavior but they are absolutely regimented to time do you think the part of this could be that she knows that you can't get up and I mean you can but 
Absolutely. Is she attention seeking? Is she attention seeking right now? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I think it's fascinating that cats vocalize to get their humans' attention. Many yes. times, it's and true. they have over a hundred sounds they can make. And we've got a cat right now that probably makes one hundred three sounds. He quacks uh, like cat. a dog. He does. Yeah, yeah. He has words I think, that he says, but but I think it's true that it, she is definitely saying, "Hey, this is supposed to be. This is not your time to be sitting and talking." Yep. This is your time to be out in the shop. And thank you, Dr. Becker, for calling her out because she just she walked, just walked away. away. <laughs> so you know what? Mission not accomplished. Darn it. Darn it, she says. <laughs> but I do love that. So when you guys sit down to podcast or do Facebook Lives, will she do attention-seeking behavior then as well? So what? she's used to our schedule. So we have like okay. a set schedule on Sunday nights, Monday nights, Wednesday nights, things like that. And she doesn't usually do it at those times, but when it's these okay. off schedule kind of zooms, yes. yeah, she will definitely. definitely. She definitely a lot of times on those scheduled, uh, those scheduled things, she'll actually come up and kind of participate. Yeah. She, I she like that. Right. <laughs> Everyone's a little, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Routine is, is so important for cats. It, it is. really does help de-stress them. Yeah. In fact, um, Ohio State University did a study on um, the importance of routine when it comes to cats. And, and the study showed that cats, even the healthiest of cats, um, when taken off of their routine, were one and a half times more likely to get sick, to get illness. Mm-hmm. Um, so routine is one of those, I mean, things that we can do in our household every day. It's good for us too. Um, but we can, we can do this on a regular basis at home, um, proactively to help reduce our, our cat stress, whether or not we know that our cats are stressed. If we keep them on a routine, chances of them being stressed and dealing with a stress induced illness or disease or ailment, um, reduces greatly just by putting them on a routine, feeding them on a routine. That means, you know, playtime on a routine. That means scooping the litter on a routine basis. It's all like super important. Yeah. So here's my question. If you have a kitty that you can tell is restless, do you just go down the list? Like they may hate their litter. They may hate their, the, where the litter box is. They may hate the litter could be too thick or not enough. They may want enclosed. They may not want enclosed. I mean, there's all of these variables. How do you, do you just basically encourage people to work on trial and error till they find till they can see visible relief and a quelling of the stress? Or how do we go about making sure that that we are indeed reducing stress other than eliminating symptoms. It's important that kitties not have symptoms, of course, but does lack of symptoms equate to no stress? Does that make sense to you? Yes. I think that, uh, you know, we may not know that our cats are stressed. I know that we went through that when we started learning more about how, what cats need, what, what enriches their life, how they are as a species, you know, they're not small dogs. They have, they're solitary hunters. Do they like to eat alone? Why are we always, you know, feeding them in a big pile? Um, Are they exhibiting food aggression? Are they, you know, running and hiding? She is about to knock down a picture off the wall now. (laughs) Um, oh, she I, just up the, she's she's upping her game. I like I, it. Yeah, she's never done this one. No, this is a new one. Yeah, uh, but I think that it's when when we start learning. Uh, I, I want to back up just a little bit. I think you know we think of cats and dogs as kind of companion animals, kind of the same thing. Um, I think when you get a parrot or you get a rabbit you go through like the book of what do parrots need and what do rabbits yeah. need, and what kind of food do they eat. 
And I don't think we do that with cats. So I think that enough. starting, right, uh, enough. So I think starting there and recognizing what kind of enriches their species in general is helpful. So going down that list of, uh, you know, potty time for cats is a vulnerable time for cats. So where is their litter box? Is it big enough for them to feel comfortable kind of, you know, digging around in there and doing their business in a place that the dryer is not going to pop on or the door is not going to open or it, it, it's going to startle them? Um, where are they eating? Is this a comfortable place for them to eat? Friday, our sweet girl who's attention seeking this morning, she has a cabinet in the kitchen that she likes to open and have her food, her breakfast Inside in there the alone. Our boys, mm-hmm. two of our boys love to eat together, but it's about mm-hmm. noticing where they want to it's eat. It's about paying attention. It's really about paying attention to their, to their needs. And then, yes, I mean, kind of going down when we're, when we're instructing people, we will give them a tip, like a tip list, right? There's certain things that yeah. you want to look at. If we know that first their health is in check, they say they're going outside the box or something like that. Then there's, you know, we have checklist of let's look at this and then let's look at that and let's look at this. But there are other things that we can all do as cat parents proactively, like the routine, um, playtime with our cats. Confidence building sessions is something that is mind boggling that takes 15 minutes of your time that we learned from Dr. Marcy Kosky. 30 minutes. It sounds, okay. it sounds too easy to be true, but it absolutely changes the course of your cat's stress levels like immediately. So, so listen, I think, I think you should explain. I think you should let's, so first of all, God bless Dr. Marcy, but can you tell us, we all want to rapidly enhance our kitty's self-esteem and confidence in 15 to 30 minutes a day. What do we do? So we learned this when our Pooh Bear was going through. Our Pooh Bear is uh, our resident aggressive cat he used to be. He used to have issues with um, eliminating in other places um, and just overall feeling insecure. And right? Those aggressive, are lots right. of signs. And she said, first of all, playtime is always underrated when it comes to our cats. You think about taking these predatory beasties, as she calls them, putting them within our four walls. What do they need to feel like felines? Confidence building sessions are very focused, engaged one-on-one time with that cat that you're working with. You take that cat into a place where we can be alone, no phones, no other people, no other pets. Your cat is probably going to feel like what's happening right now. Yeah. Just sit, be calm. Our stress, that's a whole nother topic. Our stress is very transmittable to our cat. So we go into that situation with joy and confidence knowing what we're doing. And we we, we use the wand toy as advice. Um, little tip on the WOM toy that Dr. Kosky said, we, we have those big, there's big toys, big fat ones, big, whatever she said, a low profile stick, a low profile string so that the cat is able to simply focus on that lure as they would a, a, a prey friend item. Yep. Yeah. Right, out in the wild and then slowly start bringing them through the prey sequence of mm-hmm. staring at it stalking it a little bit now we're going to chase it now we're going to catch it how is it reacting you know com- you know it's the get them get them going and then calm it down and and, and going through the up. whole prey sequence 
Um, and then following it up with a treat. Following it up of with some a reward. Sort. Maybe it's yeah, maybe it's food, maybe it's whatever. But literally, just engaging with your cats. And here's the the cool thing is that Pooh Bear didn't like to play. We told Dr. Marcy Koski, we said, but Pooh Bear doesn't want to play. And she said, if they're if they don't want to play, they are lying to you because yeah. all cats, it's in their in instinctive nature. Unless they're sick or old, not feeling well, they want to play. So, and it was very interesting if, and we do this with our two older cats now quite often and when we bring them alone away from the four young ones and Monsters. where they're going to steal all the you know energy or whatnot and we take them alone they love to play and 15 20 minutes of your time engaging fully with them when Pooh Bear walked out that door he had his head held high he was oh. he was uh, he was aggressive with the two black panthers that we have and they would walk by and he'd be like hmm, I don't care about Wouldn't you anymore no more, no more hissing. No, it, it was, it's amazing. And that's something free yeah. and takes 15 to 20 minutes of your time. I, I do find it interesting. I think part of, part of, I think, going back to the very root of stress and how do we identify it and what do we do? Part of the conversation I think needs to start with, it's our job as cat guardians. All kitties are incredibly unique and have very individualized preferences and desires. I think potentially more so than people. So I have, what I've said to my clients is release flies and mice in your home. And you'll figure out if your kitty is an aerial, like some kitties like to look and some kitties prefer to chase mice. So part of it is just determining, does your kitty want to catch bugs or does he want to chase mice on the floor? But that's a preference. So figuring out our kitty's preferences is your, does your kitty prefer to play in the dark? and play around furniture where they can feel safe and get in things? Or is your kitty like more on the bed or in a big open space? Figuring out your kitty's preferences is super important. I have a kitty at home that will only play when the doors are closed. So we do this exactly what you talk about. We go to her sanctuary, close the door, because she only feels comfortable engaging in play, stalking behavior when the doors close and the other kitty, key, I mean, she just wants to be truly alone. And the second I close the door, to her sanctuary, I can see a visible relaxation. She's like, ah, we're alone. Yeah. All right, let's play. But she won't even engage in her pre-play behaviors until the door is closed, which signals safety to her. So I think even recognizing how important it is to make our cats feel secure is something that we really, really underestimate. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree. And the and just the exercise portion of the, yeah. of the thing when it comes to playtime. I mean, we know again, um, as humans, exercise is one of the key, freest, most holistic ways to reduce stress. And the same goes for our cats. If we can get them engaged and and again, every cat is different, right? Every cat is an individual. So some cats we can take out on a leash outside and that is a great way for them to get some exercise and some mental stimulation and reduce that stress. Some cats, um, we can just play with inside and get them running and jumping and playing. Um, and it, it just depends on the specific, Oh, here comes princess angel. Um, oh, medicine. excellent. Yeah. Very yes. nice. Nicely done. Little cameo. <laughs> yes. Kitty. <laughs> kitties falling from the sky which is like heaven right they just down they come this is we wonderful actually, we actually have a super highway above us so we built a, around our our entire um great room studio we have like a highway 
vertical space, which is another great right. thing that we can offer our kitties. Um, cats, yeah. you know, we get the question all the time. How do I stop my cat from jumping on the counter? How do I stop my cat from jumping on, you know, it, jumping? Yesterday, I just got, how do I stop my cat from jumping? And I'm like, you don't want to stop your cat from jumping. You want to offer them um, nice, you know, alternative, alternative options. Vertical space. But, but offer them the vertical space because it really helps. And this actually helps really well with um, dog and cat environments. You know, mm. you want to give the cats a place to get away from the dogs, especially because most dogs have a lot more energy um, than, than kitties. They like to sleep yeah. a little bit more. Um, but to make them feel secure, offering them vertical space is uh, is a great another great option as far as reducing stress in cats at home. Well, and it speaks to what you were saying earlier too about you know our, do our cats want to be up high? Do they like to be alone? Do they like a big open space? When do they like to play the most? I, and and speaking too to understanding what makes them feel secure. You know, yes. I, I, a lot of people think we get that comment a, a lot that my cat's just mean. My cat doesn't like me. My cat is just, you know, mean, uh, or they use other choice words. And I feel like we're not understanding that it's not that a, a mean cat is a, is a, is a, is a cat that's feeling insecure. That's right. And when we can look at that from their perspective, it helps us be more compassionate and offer ways to help them feel more secure. Um, yeah. One of our good friends, Nicole with Just Cats says, Think about cats as a human. How many times do we be like, oh, I love this kitty. We just go scoop them up and be like, oh my goodness, you're the cutest little baby. Would you do that to someone? Would you, would right, you exactly. learn their, their what to respect their bubble space? Who are they? Are they a hugger? Are they a handshaker? Are they, you know, and understanding just how to earn our cat's trust yeah. is a big yeah. step in, in letting them feel secure. Yeah. Yeah. I think also, I think, uh, and then once you, I mean, once we take the time to recognize that there's no such thing as a cookie cutter personality and that kitties are, they're also incredibly sensitive. So little tiny changes, we need to be astute and aware to really subtle changes because they are master ear position, whisker position, all talking to us, of course, tail position, but so much body language that I think a lot of people miss. Because we do unfortunately have a perception that maybe they're like little dogs and they're not. So the more we can become hyper aware of all the subtleties in the changes of vocalization, behavior, of course, but you're so right, Adrian, defensiveness, just like when we meet a defensive human, you think why, you know, why, why is this person so defensive? They're, they, they're either, they feel vulnerable they're covering up pain in their life or they they're they feel like they're not being heard but right. isn't that kind of true about cats as well like those same exact thing applies to kitty and yet when you can tell a person's being a uh, defensive we don't go poking someone who's already agitated that's offensive and totally it accomplishes nothing to poke an angry person like you just put gas on the fire and yet you're so right adrian sometimes in our attempt to say well i have an uh, a kitty who's difficult we don't change our behavior. We continue doing things that agitate the heck out of our cats. And of course they're gonna be defensive. So you have like this abrasive counterintuitive behavior cycle going on that is initiated by the owner that desperately wants a better relationship, but they're not necessarily altering their own behavior to get what they want. So I think it comes down to how much can we change our behavior to make our cat feel comfortable and safe enough and learn about our kitty's preferences to be able to provide the environment they need. Because the truth is, they're trapped in our house, right? So we need to make 
a sanctuary for them that they feel comfortable, that they can relax in, that they can heal in, that they feel nourished in. That's our job, but how well are we doing it, right? Yeah, I think that's a thing that we um, we wounded humans will oftentimes uh, assign a dysfunctional emotion to our cat's yeah. response to something, and and it exacerbates the situation, and it and it really it doesn't help bring that peace and security and uh, to their environment. I think that that's like you said, it's understanding better. I know with with uh, Madison, you can tell when she's agitated because she does she does do the twitchy ears. It is mm-hmm. she's hypersensitive. She's hyper alert, and she's she's probably worried if her brother Jack is about to sneak up on her. Right. Yep. yep. But giving her those, we are in the middle of building a new cat wall where we know that they, they love to play together. Jack and Madison love to play together, but Maddie gets fed up a lot sooner than Jack does. And she wants to run to a place where she's safe. Right. Right. So giving those little Heidi spaces and vertical space and all of that, we know is going to be really great for her. And we have some spots, but we need some more for her. Um, And in other ways, like our, our Pooh Bear, he is, uh, he's a big boy. He's a big boy and he's going to need some lower space that he can still kind of explore, but (laughs) we're not sure what's going on. I like this though. What, what, you know, there's probably, she's probably chasing a bug. She's bug hunting, maybe there, maybe there's a fly happening. <laughs> I love it though. <laughs> so I have a question for you about, if you've seen this, um, I initially thought that Callie, one of my kitties didn't really want to play. This is, I just am interested if you've seen this before. Uh, I had a variety of different wand toys, different size lures, different consistencies, one feather, multiple feathers, you know, a bell, no bell, all the different varieties. She wanted to stalk the, the lure, but she didn't want to engage with it. And so I kept attaching different lures. I bought like 20 different ones. And you know what I realized? This was probably two years ago. They were all like the really brightly colored. They were like hot pink. Like I like bright colors. So it was like, like my lures look like my shirt, which I thought was adorable and obnoxious, which I like a lot. But then it hit me as a proactive wellness veteran. I'm like, oh my gosh, where are these to- where are these feathers made? And what like are the dyes FDA approved? Like they're all crazy colors. Are they food grade safe? Is it safe for her to put them in her mouth? So let me tell, I didn't, this is a we should do this testing. We should submit some cat toys and find out. <laughs> what those dyes are, but I didn't do that. I bought natural feather toys Un, I bought undyed natural pheasant feathers and she loves them. Her issue with her toy aversion was what the toys were made of. Have you guys seen that before? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is, it is almost impossible to find cat toys that are actually safe. They don't have that dye on. And that's really just for us, it's not for our cats, right? They don't care right. what color it is. in the wild is not a hot pink little mouse. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And no bells. There's no bells in the wild, right? No, <laughs> no. true. Um, so yeah, it is, it is, uh, it is difficult to, to find, but, um, but yeah, I mean, the more naturally you can go when it comes to, when it comes to the, the toys, her non-natural taco. <laughs> That's a taco toy that she loves. <laughs> 
but you're but you're right though that it's it's exciting for us as humans to play and figure out what our cat's yes. favorite toys are. Jack is crazy for the wand toy. This one and Zorro love the love the little toys that they can hey, roll yeah. around and play with themselves. Right. So funny. She is. Thank you. Are you really excited? <laughs> so precious. But exploring what it is that our cats like and what makes them feel comfortable and want to engage. So important. It's so important. And the other thing that I love about you too is that you do regularly include nutrition as, mm-hmm. as, as a piece of the stress puzzle. So because you are actually the only two that have talked about nutrition, even hinted at it so far in my interviews, let's talk a little bit about metabolic stress because sometimes kitties, like our kids, our kids can be addicted to Taco Bell and they're addicts. Like they, they, they'll only eat X, Y, and Z food and they love it, but it's not necessarily amazing. They're addicted to unhealthy foods, just like cats can be addicted to unhealthy foods. So let's talk a little bit about that difficult task of weaning cats onto better foods, because it's something that you have heard more than I have. People say, I just can't, my cat will eat nothing else. I've tried it and I just can't. So question number one, how much do you believe inappropriate foods can be, can play into physical stress, but also home related behavior issues. And number two, what do you do when you hear thousands of people that follow you, love you? And then of course tell you, I've tried, I can't, I'm done. My cat will never eat anything but X dry food. So how do you, how do you approach those comments? Cause I think that of all of the statements, that's probably the number one thing I hear as a veterinarian is I've tried it. I've wasted so much money and I'm done. Yeah. I think it starts with, they, they always, it always starts with my cat will not. And I think it's, it's an empowering moment for most people to recognize that it's not your cat's choice. It's yours. And this is where it it can be difficult, but like with our Pooh Bear, it took six months, Yep, six months to transition him off of kibble to this day. If he hears a kibble bag, he's like, Oh, it's yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, And I think it's, it's about meeting everybody where they're at too and understanding. And luckily, I mean, gratefully we have been there and we were the ones that fed whatever kibble we, before we knew anything better, right. We fed whatever kibble we, we had, then we learned a little bit and we upgraded to a better kibble. And then we learned more and, you know, and it took a while to transition our cats off of kibble, some of our cats off of kibble onto a, onto a wet food. And then we went from wet food to a raw food diet. And now they're completely, they're all completely on a raw diet. Um, but it, it takes time and it takes patience. And we always say patience and perseverance pays, you know, the three P's, um, we have to, you know, we first step is to pick up the all day buffet, as you call it. You know, the first step is if your cats always, always has this, you know, kitty crack available to them, they're going to be less likely to eat something else that you give them. Um, and then you have to go at their pace, you know, so we don't, we can't starve our cats. We can't fast them for our long periods of time, like we can our dogs. So we want to, you know, give them, feed them in routine schedules that are adding in a little bit of the, of the new food. That's how we did it. We've heard from others that, it, that they have to actually put it outside the bowl or plate plate is even, you know, uh, better when it comes to transitioning because, or, or a, or a, or what is it? A shallow bowl um, where, 
the smells aren't, you know, where they can get the smell of the new food while they're eating. So they're associating the, the new food as food, right? Because all they've known so far is that this, this kibble is their food. And then, and then we slowly at their pace, get them onto a new food, a little bit better and a little bit better until we can, you know, go through that process. And it can take months and months, a year even for some. Yeah, I think yeah. the challenge too, understanding that there's going to be an investment of time and a little investment of, of money as well. Everyone's like, I got two cans of food. I tried to feed my cats and they didn't eat it. And I just wasted two cans of food. Let's start small. It's not just about, you know, this is what you're getting now. It is that incremental, let's help them learn that this is better for them. That study that was done that showed that over time, cats will pick the more nutritionally complete food, even if it is flavored as a citrus food. It was fascinating wow. to see and empowering because it's like, we know how foundational food is to health and that it can reduce so much stress. And, and yet it's, it, it feels so frustrating. Like we're wasting time. We're wasting so many efforts <clears throat> over time. Our cats do learn. We now have six cats that are all fed a fully balanced raw food diet. And so many of them were, well, Oliver and, and Pooh Bear. Um, it didn't seem like it was going to happen, uh, but it does over time. It is the choice that they, if we provide it for them, right. those baby steps, yeah. taking it at yeah. their pace, um, it, it, it makes a big difference and yeah. it's possible. Yeah, I love that. Talk to me about bowl, food bowl stress, water bowl stress, because that's another thing that I think a lot of cat parents don't necessarily, especially if they have maybe two kitties, they just, you know, they, a lot of households with two cats have one bowl. Can we talk a little bit about what bowls are made of and how kitties may not like what their bowl is made of and where, where, where things are in the house totally matters to cats. So let's talk a little bit about what makes kitties feel the safest. And what's the most logical for feline physiology and behavior? Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> we're like, which one do you want to, which one do you want to do? Okay. So, um, so there's something called whisker fatigue. Um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a medical term, but, um, but it is where, you know, the, uh, the whiskers are, they whiskers are on many places in our cat, on our cat's bodies and they help them to judge things around them, distance. What's the, what's the technical word for it? I don't know. We don't know technical words very well. Like a curve feelers. Curb yeah. feelers, right? There you go. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Nice. They're, they're they're called um they're called the brisse. In the, the medical term for whiskers are called the brisse, but I prefer curb feelers. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I like that too because yeah. I can remember that. <laughs> Um, yes. So, so when we're feeding them or giving them water bowls and they're, they're deep and, and, um, and not wide, you know, so they're, uh, what is the word? Deep, deep and wide. Yeah. 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 <laughs> But they have to put, you'll notice many cats, they will eat um, the middle of their food and then leave yep. everything on the outside. And you're like, why don't they ever finish their food? Or a lot of people for many years, we did this because we didn't know we would go back and we would push all the food into the middle so they could go in and eat some more. And then we realized that this is actually due to whisker fatigue or whisker stress, um, where they, where their whiskers are kind of trapped in that bowl and it's not, it, it's kind of stressing. It's causing some stress, some, some food stress. So we do, we want to do a, a wide and shallow bowl so that they're not getting that whisker fatigue. Or a plate. And, and I do want to say to the, the basic about the, you said water bowls as well, which made me think cats instinctively don't like their food 
next to their water. In, yeah. in the wild, they would not keep their food, their prey, whatever they had near the water because they knew that that could actually spoil their water source. So I think that was that we learned because it was like food and water dishes right here, food and water dishes, moving them away from the water is helpful. Understanding that, you know, our cats, uh, especially plastic is still something that, you know, but we see a lot of chin acne. It's like, well, what are they eating? Mm-hmm. What, what kind of bowls do they have? And it'll be like their plastic bowls or a Tupperware dish or something like that. And it leaches bacteria. It all, think about the smells though, too. Mm-hmm. When you are not washing those bowls after every meal and it's building up that bacteria and that cats have 200 million scent sensors. They're going to smell that spoiled, rancid stuff. They're, gonna, they're not going to want to eat out of that. And it's not. Yeah healthy. We, um, we now feed our, our, all of our babes out of ceramic dishes, bowls. Um, we're looking at the stainless steel. I'd like to get a stainless, solid we, well, stainless steel we made the mistake. So fountains also, when it comes to water bowls, right? Yes. Often increase, um, uh, our, cats like running water. Yeah. A lot. Of, yeah. Um, so giving them a running water is often a way to help, um, to help encourage them to drink. Um, we have some cats that prefer still water and some cats that like the running water. So we have both available to, to our cats. Um, but we went stainless steel with our water fountain. We just went with the wrong type of stainless steel. And we were like, stainless steel is not it. So we're going to ceramic. And then we learned from you guys more about ceramic. And now we're switching back to stainless steel, just a different quality. But, um, but yeah, the, the type of bowl is so important when it's, we just, we don't want to, we don't want plastic at all. We say, I know there's like better types of plastic and things like that, but we deal with on the regular basis, so many cases of chin acne in cats. Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes it is, we can simply take away the plastic and the, the chin acne disappears. So yeah little sidebar on the fountains though because i i've yet to find one i've heard a rumor haven't found it that there's an all copper internal pump thing somewhere but with all of our fountains that i found there is a plastic little pump still in there and um we've got to be very vigilant about cleaning all those little parts and pieces out because otherwise we're just giving them slimy swamp water no matter the one or whatever it's in it it can get And so there's this, this entire conversation just makes me think about how cats in general, they're just, we have a deficit of healthy products. We have a deficit of transparent products. We have a deficit of appropriate toys. We have a deficit of food and water bowls. We have a deficit of cat, healthy cat bones. We just, you're right. All of those things are necessary. And yet they're, they are really hard to find really. I, that's the reason that I don't have a fountain is I can't find one that, um, is made with parts that I believe will not contribute to bees hyperthyroidism. So, you know, because kitties used to have metabolic thyroid conditions, one in every, you know, maybe a hundred or 200 kitties, and now it's one in 10. I do think that environmental plastics and the endocrine disrupting aspects of all of the plastic and chemicals in our environment that mimic thyroid hormones have been incredibly detrimental to cat well-being on a worldwide basis. So I'm a big believer in eliminating as much, of course, environmental chemicals, but also plastics for the kitty just to preserve thyroid function. I think it's a really important piece that a lot of veterinarians may not be talking about. Yeah, that's a big point to the the cleaners in general. And we've learned some great recipes from you for some of the cleaners that we, yeah. we now 
but getting rid of the floor cleaners, the aerosol sprays, the plug-ins, oh, the, all of the things. Talk about that the stress that that handles. Uh, yeah, we we had a cat. May he rest in peace. This was not his cause of death, but he had asthma, and we were like, "Why? Why?" As we fire up our we had a Febreze plug-in in every room. We, you know, yep. we didn't know any better at the time, but we used, I mean, I loved chemical floor cleaners. I love the way they smelled when the house smelled yep. clean. It all smelled like bleach, right? And it all smelled yep. like, you know, cleaners. And I, and, and that's, I was obsessed. At, I'm still obsessed with cleaning, but um, I was obsessed with cleaning with all of these, all these chemicals that we had no idea that our cats were being affected by. So negative. And once we, once we know better, we can do better. And, you know, now we don't use any of these things. It's vinegar and water and it's, uh, you know, your, your recipe for glass cleaner. I love just so you know, it's better for cleaning like cat snot off the windows yeah. than any, any, than any Windex yes. has ever yes. been. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so now we use those things. We don't use the candles. We don't use any good smelling stuff in our house. We open windows and we use uh, we use air purifiers and things like that. Um, and our cats are so much happier. And you can tell now, especially for the ones that we still have that we used that went through all of that with us, you can yes. tell their stress is so, so much better now. Yeah. I think that that's the piece that I think we need to remind listeners and readers that right now, because you haven't maybe modified anything in your cat's environment, you may be thinking, well, how am I going to know or how will I tell? But you really can tell. It's hard to describe, but I think for me, I saw less eye discharge. I saw um, even like uh, the amount of nasal congestion. When When kitties come and lay on you, you can hear how how clear their respiration is and, and the wheezing is gone. You know, obviously any type of upper respiratory issues are just improved when we clean up our home. And those are things you don't know and you can't see until you do it. So I think I'm glad that you added that in. I know it can seem overwhelming. I'm so grateful that you're doing this whole cat week extravaganza because I think that a lot of us are just looking for those tools, right? We're, yes. we're trying to understand what our cats need. They're not telling us what they need, but just yeah. some of these basics of understanding how and where to feed them, how much nutrition plays into things, what, what it means to earn their trust, to make them feel secure and give them some of that feline enrichment in your home, catifying it, as Kate Benjamin says. Mm-hmm. I, it's incredible to see how they respond. It's incredible to see how much cats want to show you and engage and be a part of, you know, showing off the human term for it, uh, especially when it comes to playtime or cats playing fetch or when you give them that attention, how receptive they are to it and how much more they're willing to kind of participate and help us better understand them. They really do want to show us what they need. Yeah. I I think we have to also say that If you start, if you have, if you're a person that has said, my cat will not play, doesn't like to play, and you begin instituting some of these suggestions and you realize, oh my gosh, they're playing. I think sometimes we can have some guilt about the fact that I went six years thinking my cat doesn't like this, this, or this, or whatever. And actually I was just wrong. I think that can lead to a lot of people saying, I just suck that you know I or like once we identify the root cause of let's say why the kitty's being defensive and you remove that and you see 
a new personality come out. You see a different side of your kitty, a gentler, softer, more engaging, more inquisitive, curious kitty come out from a kitty that slept all day. I think sometimes we can look back and have some sadness, guilt, remorse. I just want to encourage everyone that part of the reason I'm so thankful for this cat week is when, like you said, when, when we're able to have conversations that allow us to have more ideas and better tools to make better decisions, or at least try some things, it's through our own desire to attempt to make the world that our cat lives in better, healthier, stronger, that allows us to better meet their needs. And through that process of discovery, we could discover things that we recognize that we were deficient, that their environment and their lifestyle was deficient. And instead of having guilt about that, I think we need to be empowered that as we fix things in our cat's lives that, or as we work on things in our cat's lives, that we have to be gentle to ourselves in the fact that we didn't know all that we could have previously, because the guilt thing will get you fat. Yeah. Yeah. It it really can. And I think all of us, um, almost everyone that I've, that we've talked to over the past six years, um, has, you know, some sort of guilt. They have some sort of story of, I used to do it this way. And my poor cat suffered from A, B, and C because of, because of the things that I did or, and you know, us the same, um, blaming yourself isn't productive, you know, it's so it's, it's kind of living in the past instead of the future. We can always change from here on out, whatever we, you know, whatever we can change. Like you said, like the small, small little things over time make a huge difference. So yeah. we can, yeah. I, th- I think, uh, yeah, like, like Jason, it's not productive, but I think it's also really important to, um, when we see that moment, when we see that little light in our cat's eyes, like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I love this. This is so great. The importance and the reminder to all of us to be present right? To really live in the joy of that moment and not grieve. I mean, I think so much of what, in a lot of ways, started what we're doing is learning from our mistakes and maybe a way that we were dealing with our own uh, grief and remorse for decisions that we didn't realize at the time. And of course, once you realize it, it's like you do, you beat yourself up about it. Um, we started feeding all raw because our oldest at the time, our scotch uh, started having kidney issues. And then we went down that rabbit hole reading, realizing how much we contributed to that, but it's not, it's not productive. And when we have that moment where we can see this is who my cat is, this is what they love. This is what we're learning together about each other, whatever. Being present is such a gift and it does mean that we can implement those things that we're learning as we continue to grow. But, um, in that moment, don't, don't rob yourself of the joy yes, yes. of that present moment by being like, Oh my God, it's yeah. been years that this no be experience that our yeah. cats pick up on our energy more yes. than I think uh, we ever realize. And, mm-hmm. um, and they're, and they're far more forgiving than most of us humans are. Yeah. So. And I, I like that you said that because being present in the moment is so important. And, and, and it kind of brings us back to the whole, like your stress versus your cat stress. Um, when, you know, it's, it's been scientifically proven that our, that our cats can, um, smell our fear that you always say like cats smell fear, but they really actually do. It's not just something that is said, it's something that they do. Um, and we can, I, I can personally see it. I'm, I have a higher anxiety level, so I have to do certain things to keep my anxiety in, in check. Um, but especially around our more anxious kitties or kitty 
in, in, in particular, when I'm having an, an anxious day, if I get even near him, I know that like petting him is not a thing I should do. I should, you know, shower. I should, I should go for a run. I should do something to lower my stress before I can be around him because they will carry that stress. And we see all the time people that, you know, are constantly high stress, fearful, they call us all the time. Like my cat is having, you know, all of these issues all the time. And it's like one after the other, after the other, after the other. And you can tell that they themselves are so high stressed. We as responsible cat parents have to do the, have to take the steps to keep our, and it's going to be so much healthier for us too, but take the steps, whether it's meditate, whether it's pray, whether it's music therapy, listen to music, go exercise. Like there's so things that we can do to keep our stress levels in check so that it will better help the entire household um, of our pets for sure. It's really fantastic advice. And I love the fact that you both are encouraging people to celebrate each little shift, those little wins, you being present and watching your cat engage in a way that that he or she hasn't before. That's the gift. And you're so spot on to not, don't deny yourself that that little ounce of pleasure and joy and relationship connection, because that's what we work towards. So celebrating those little incremental wins, those shifts, the, um, you know, the evolution of your relationship with your cat, celebrating those things is a really important. That's why we're doing all this is to live for those moments of saying, oh my gosh, they're happier, they're healthier, they're doing things different. So encouraging cat lovers to stop and celebrate that the whole reason we're working so hard to keep our cats healthy and happy are for those moments. So really take advantage of them. Ladies, for people that want to learn more about what you're doing, follow you, listen to you more, where can they go to get all the information that you are providing? Well, we are on, (laughs) come join the the community. Yes, we are on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Pinterest, um, the two crazy cat ladies. Um, We have a podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all the things. It's called Back in the Closet with the two crazy cat ladies. (laughs) We actually film it in our closet. (laughs) We record it in our closet for, you know. It has the best acoustics, sound dampening. It's very great. Um, And then our website is twocrazycatladies.com. That's T-W-O, crazy cat ladies. Well, I love you both. I love that you participated so willingly and enthusiastically for our Cat Week extravaganza. And thank you again for all that you're doing for not just the cat community, but for helping cat owners become more connected with their cats in a way that will allow their kitties to be the, to become the very best versions of themselves. So thank you for all you're doing. Thank Dr. Becker, thank you so, you so much, much for, for having, having us. us. Thank you so much for shining a spotlight on our kitties. And this for week. everything that you do.